Test, test. There we go. All right, good morning. Still morning, so I can legally say that. Uh, it's good to be with you guys. Um, uh, for those of you that, uh, how, how many of you have never heard me speak before? All right, a decent, decent amount. Um, I'm always amazed, you know, it's been, it's been, uh, gosh, I think, I don't think I've been here since September or October, and uh, it's like I don't hardly know anybody anymore, and um, you know, sometimes I feel like the, the lost son who comes back home, you know, uh, Jim says that sometimes, but uh, yeah, I was, uh, I was on staff here at, um, at, at Zion Powell for uh, three and a half years as the associate pastor, and uh, we lived in Pickerington um, uh, just the whole time, and so I was commuting up here, and so when the uh, opportunity for Zion Pickerington came open, uh, you know, it, it just, it was just a great fit for us and, and, uh, Pastor Jim and Mary, uh, just kind of launched us down there. So, uh, but yeah, I am, uh, I've been here, been connected with you guys to so love you guys, pray for you guys. Um, and, uh, just really excited to be back, uh, to what we would call a quote unquote home. So, um, yeah, so good, good stuff. Are you guys excited this morning? Oh, uh, you, you sound a little tenacious. You sound a little fiery, and I like it. Um, so I want to talk to you just a, a few things uh, this morning. And, um, you know, at Pickerington, I've been doing a, a series through most of the month of January uh, talking about the pathway to purpose. And, you know, what I've found is there are a lot of people with dreams and aspirations and hopes and, and uh, maybe even what we would call wishes of things that they would want to do or like to do or have dreamed of doing with their life and, and through their life. And, and for whatever reason, a lot of people are held back. Anybody ever feel held back? There was like a... Oh. I don't know if that was like a good one or like, yeah, we agree. Uh, but yeah, a lot of people feel held back. They feel held back. And, you know, and I, I've been feeling that and, you know, uh, hearing stories and people of like, I've always wanted to start this business or write this book or do this and do that. And, and, and something just rose up on the inside of me of like, why not? What are, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? And, and, you know, there is an aspect to waiting with God. You know, we, we sang it this morning. Uh, you know, there, there's an important uh, aspect to waiting on God, right? But if you're, there, there's a, it's a different aspect between waiting on God and waiting on your destiny. And a lot of times we use waiting on God as a crutch for inaction of not moving forward in what we're called to move forward in. And so, you know... Several years ago, I had uh, an encounter reading this book, and, you know, don't laugh. It's not, it's not a, like, a profound book. It's not, like, this theological book. Um, you know, I, I've learned to discover God and what God is saying in just about anything or anywhere. And uh, so I was reading a Dr. Seuss book. Can I get an Amen. And there was a particular issue, there was a particular situation where it had been kind of ongoing, and you know, you just feel like you're in the hamster wheel. You just feel like you're going around the same mountain, you're doing the same things that you did yesterday, and you're just going through the motions. And, uh, and so I was reading this Dr. Seuss book, and I want to read an ex excerpt that uh, I literally had an encounter with the Lord uh, through Dr. Seuss. It says, you can get so confused that you'll start in a race down a long wiggled roads and breaknecking pace and grind for miles across weirdish wild space headed i fear towards a most useless place the waiting place for people just waiting waiting for a train to go or a bus to come or a plane to go or mail to come waiting on the rain to go or the phone to ring snow to snow or waiting for a yes or a no Waiting for their hair to grow, everyone is just waiting. Waiting for the fish to bite, the wind to fly a kite, or waiting for a Friday night, perhaps waiting for Uncle Jake, or a pot to boil, or a better break, or a string of pearls, or a pair of pants, or a wig with curls, or another chance. Every, everyone is just waiting. And then it says in capital letters, no, that's not for you.
There's an aspect to waiting on God. But when God has given you the word, he's given you the promise, he's given you 15 confirmations of the prophetic word, the question that you have to ask yourself is, what are you waiting for? You know, you know what happens when you, when you experience a new year? For some people, a new year means you just buy a new calendar. But a new year, you cannot step truly into a new year unless you have a new mind. And you begin to change your outlook. Because if you do not change your outlook of the outlook you had in the previous year, you will go into a new year with an old mind and you will experience the same old, same old. And there's this cycle that God is wanting to break us out of this box. Uh, we cannot go into that new year with an old mind. We've got to change the way we think. We've got to change the way we function, the way we uh, react to situations, the, the ideas, the things that we have, and, and the way that we move into, into territories. We've got to deal with issues. And the reason we have to begin to reposition the way we think and reposition the way that we understand and the way that we approach situations and circumstances is because oftentimes we're locked between the lines of limited thinking and limited ideas and limited resources and limited fill in the blank. And there's something down in the inside of you that's creative, that is longing and yearning to say, let there be. Let there be. And so we've got to have a tenacity to step into an unknown situation and say, let there be light, let there be healing, let there be books, let there be buildings, let there be deliverance, let there be change in this city. You understand that you were made in the image of God. And so with, when God said, let there be, he gave you permission to say, let there be. When God said, let there be, he gave you permission to step into a situation or a circumstance and declare something uh, as though it were not. Let there be. We have to have a tenacity. A tenacity to move forward and apprehend and grab hold of all that God has promised us. Because the waiting place is not for you. With tenacity comes an understanding that you have to move through difficult situations. It, it comes with an understanding that you have to have a, a little bit of what we like to call stick to -itiveness. I don't know if it's a word, but it is now. stick to -itiveness. A get-or-done kind of spirit, a stick-to-it, a, a you-know-what, I'm going to stick this out, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, to, to put on my shoes, I'm going to trod through this mud and get through the other side of this. Because what happens with a lot of people is we try six, seven, eight, nine, ten different things for, for 90 days or so, and then we wonder why they don't work. How can you be a leader with a 90-day test? How can we be a pioneer with a 90-day journey? Are you guys okay? This is good news. This is radical hope. But we've, we've got to begin to shift and change and understand that there's a tenacity and, and, and once, you know, if God gives you a word or a promise or a, a book or a dream, whatever it is, you've got to go after it with a tenacity and a fervency to see the thing through. Knowing that the moment you take one step towards it, all hell is breaking loose to hold you back from the very thing that God's calling you to step into. We try things for 90 days and of course it didn't work. We didn't stick to it. We didn't fight hard enough. And what happens is people create a cycle where the last 10, 15 years, we've been going from thing to thing, and our excuse is it didn't work. Nothing works. Opportunity is presented to those who take it. When opportunity walks by potential, passion is enabled. When opportunity passes by potential, something, begins, something creative begins to happen on the inside of you. 
the, the, the thing with this is understanding that, that you've got to, you know, my heart this morning is, is not so much uh, teaching. You guys have wonderful teachers up here, and, and Pastor Jim and Sean and uh, Cheryl and many of the other staff. They're just amazing teachers. I just want to inspire you this morning. I just want to inspire you to step into something that you've been dreaming to step into. And if it means that I'm, you know, kicking you a little bit, over the edge or over, getting you over the hump. That's, that's my heart this morning. Not to kick you for the sake of kicking you, but you understand. And so, you know, with it, when, when you're inspired, when, when you step into uh, inspiration, hope begins to rise. We had the, 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 the word the, you know, that came through transition uh, about hope rising. And they basically preached a, a portion of my message uh, during transition. Thank you very much. But hope begins to rise, and, and here's the thing, you know, you know, many of you guys know the, the quote that, uh, you know, a ship is safe in its harbor, but it was born for the sea, right? But here's the thing, is, is I can tell you how a ship functions, I can, I can break down and teach you how to drive a ship, but if it never gets out of the harbor, if you, if you never step out of that safe place, you will never be able to utilize the very things that you've learned, you will never utilize the very things that you've learned. And what I have found, you know, in, 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 in situations and circumstances is that when you begin to paint a picture of not just how the ship works, but the vastness and the endless and the bottomlessness of the ocean and the sights that have yet to be seen and the, and the nations that have yet to be stepped on and the countries that have yet to be discovered and the islands that have yet to, to set foot on and all of the ears that have yet to hear the name of Jesus, then, then you can't get the ship out of the harbor fast enough. And so there's something down on the inside of you that you've got to allow that hope to rise. We can't just have moments. I love moments. I love moments in worship where you're just, you're just on the ground getting whacked by God. Anybody love those? We need more of those. We, we need the, the church services where you're stumbling out to the parking lot saying, what the heck was that? We need those things. But what do you do with a moment? What do you do with those times? Are, are, we, are, we, are, are we just addicted to moments? Where we go from moment to moment like a, like a junkie getting a fix or a smoker smoking a cigarette, going from moment to moment without having any way to strategically apply that moment to the very thing that we're going on, uh, that's going on and, and we're moving forward in our life. And so you experience the moments. We need more of those moments. But we also need the people to understand how to apply those moments so that it turn, moments turn into momentum. Moments begin to turn into momentum. I heard momentum described like this one time. I just thought it was a great picture. Uh, a moment is like an elephant. Uh, bear with me here for a second. Moment, uh, a mom, uh, excuse me, momentum is like an elephant. And it's, it's really easy to keep an elephant moving once it's moving. Right? But the moment that elephant sits down... You better crack the whips out. You better, you know, it's going to take a lot to get that elephant up, get the, get the momentum back. And so what I've learned is that once you get the momentum going, don't stop. Once you get movement happening, once, once you feel like you're in what we would call the vein of the Lord, when God's doing things and, and doors are flinging open and the ones that should be closed are being flung closed and, and, and things are going and, and breakthroughs happening, then, then what do you, why, why do we take a left and go to the waiting place? And we go into the waiting place mistaking it for the secret place. When the secret place it goes with you. It's a tent. You know, it, it was described in the Old Testament as a tabernacle. It was a mobile thing. It was meant to move. His throne has wheels. Because he moves. 
There's movement, there's momentum, there's things happening. And, and yes, you rest in his lap, but he's still moving. Yes, there are times when you be still and know that he's God, but you're riding on him who's moving. Even when you sleep, the Bible says that God is awake. The Lord, who never sleeps, watches over Israel, watches over his children. He's moving, he's moving. And there's a tenacity to not stop when God has, has begun to create momentum in your life. We do not have to accept things the way that they are. This is an issue with some people of just accepting. This is the way that it is. This is the way that it's always been. Uh, you know, my, my parents were broke. Uh, we've had these struggles. It's just always been this way, and it always will be this way. And, and maybe, you know, certain people don't use that, that strong of language, but they still have the mentality. They still have the mentality that it's always going to be this way. And you have to begin to say that it, you do not have to accept it the way it is. Somewhere down inside of you is the creativity that will allow you to break out of the box of limited thinking and limited ideas and snap out of the orbit of ordinary. Because God's doing a new thing. I don't know if you guys feel just a fresh wave of the Holy Spirit that's been just since the, the it's like the turning of the year. I don't understand it. I don't, I don't claim to, to, to know everything. I, all I know is, is God's moving. The cloud is moving. The lion is moving. And I want to be where he is. There's momentum that's happening. And when you step into momentum, you can get swept up in it. And that's a good thing. Because then you understand that it's not by works that the momentum is happening, but it's by grace. You've stepped into his momentum. you stepped into the wake of his glory. You guys are quiet. Pause for dramatic effect. I'm going to get into some scripture here and, and, you know, make this legal. So it's going to be good. I, I don't know. Are you guys just, maybe you're like paralyzed by my shirt. <laughs> it, ha it has that effect. Um, the guy that sold it to me, uh, he actually told me it, it was modeled after the cloud that Jesus will return on. So um, <laughs> that was a joke. But there's momentum this morning. There, there's a tenacity this morning that I just feel there's that hope that's rising up. There's the, this, this understanding that we don't have to accept it the way that it is. That, uh, that there's things that are shifting. And, and you know, I, I feel like prophetically that the season is shifting and you will be able to do things now in a way that you have never been able to do before. The businesses, the books, the buildings, the, the ideas, the dreams, the plans. I, I feel like it's a season where God is saying, bust it out. Roll, roll it out on the table and let's take a look at that. You have to realize something. You have to realize that you have not sung your best song. You have not written your best idea. You have not thought your greatest thought. You have not dreamed your greatest dream. You have not written your greatest book or preached your greatest sermon. You have not experienced your greatest day. And baby, you haven't laughed your greatest laugh. You have to understand that. Think about that. Put it into perspective that you have not experienced your greatest day. You have not seen the greatest breakthrough. You have not seen your greatest miracle. You have not experienced the greatest promise that God has given you yet. The best is yet to come. And when you have that mentality, you can wake up every day and the, and the fact that you opened your eyes in the morning is a prophetic act. It's a prophetic sign that the best is yet to come. That it's not over, baby. And you've got to let something, that tenacity, rise up on the inside of you. You've got to begin to fan the flames because when things happen and something happens and, 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 and trials come and tribulations come and, and affliction comes, when those things come, they are coming to steal your flame. If, if we could just put it out just a little bit, they'll slow down. 
They'll make a left and go into the waiting place thinking they missed it. It's the reason why Paul in, in the book of Timothy encouraged him to fan and to flame the gift that God has put inside of you. The dream that he's put on your heart, the prophetic word that he's put in your hand and your journal is a gift that you need to fan into flame. You need to understand that you are a miracle looking for a place to happen. You have got all kinds of things locked up in, inside of you for such a time as this. There are all, thing, all kinds of things locked up inside of you for such a time as this. You need to realize that God has set the stage. The, 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 the time is right. The stage is set. The conditions have put in order. And there's something about to break in the realm of your destiny and your life and your promises and the things that God has called you into. And it's not hard. He's just looking for the, the baby step. It's like, you know, you're at the airport and you got all your luggage and it's really hard and then all of a sudden you hit that track that moves and it's like, oh, wow, this is awesome. <laughs> and then there's that moment where you step off of it and you're like, crap. <laughs> then you step back onto it and it's like, oh, this is awesome. It's life with God right there. You're on the track, fast track, and enemy comes, tries to knock you off, and oh, man, then you get back on. You're a miracle looking for a place to happen. Don't let anybody tell you you're too young. Don't let anybody tell you you're too old. Don't let anybody tell you you're finished or you failed too much. Every day that you wake up in the morning is a sign that the best is yet to come. There are two things, there are two keys that, uh, that I want to talk about and share briefly that uh, I believe are pivotal into stepping into this. And the first one is one of my favorite topics, uh, passion. Uh, the second is prayer, and, and I'll, show, I'll show you how they lead uh, into one another. If you have your Bibles, open to 2 Samuel 5. And if you just give me like 10 minutes, we'll be done. Are you good? Second Samuel 5, and uh, this is about David. How many of you just love the story of David? David's just an amazing person. He's uh, outside of Jesus. He is one of my uh, favorite characters in Scripture. Uh, I believe I learned the most out of reading the life of David. And all, you know, it's like, well, I screwed up, but man, look at David. God still used him, so. So David is just a, he's, he's, he's just a powerful picture uh, for, for New Testament believers. And, you know, one of the things that, that I love about David is David was a man of passion. David was passionate. He was very passionate, and everything that he did, uh, it, it was just full of passion. Uh, you know, he, he, was, uh, he was described as the man whose heart, uh, who had a heart after God, right? You guys, you guys reading the same Bible I am? Perfect. Uh, he was a man of passion, and, and whatever David did, he did it with passion. It didn't matter what he did, he did it with passion. When he sang, he sang with passion. When David fought, he fought with passion. When he danced, he danced with passion. He, he was a man of passion. Uh, you know, it, not only did he play the instruments, but he could make them. Scholars tell us that he actually made the instruments that he played. He was so passionate that, that not only did he learn the craft of playing it, he learned the art of making it. He was a, he was a man of passion. David wrote poetry. That's why we have the book of Psalms. He was, he was a man of passion, and, and, and passion arises when we, when we read the words of David, who are, which were penned with, with such a fervency and such a passion. 
especially in the Passion Translation. But David was a man of passion. He wrote poetry. And, you know, because he danced and he, he sang and he, he wrote poetry and he played instruments and he made instruments, you would almost think he was soft if you didn't keep reading. The same guy who would sit up under a tree and write poetry, cut off the foreskins of a hundred Philistines and put them at the feet of the king. Because passion goes both ways. Passionate people can walk into an empty place and see it filled. Passionate people can take a nothing job and turn it into something. Passionate people can take a blank sheet of paper and make something out of it. Passionate people can be creative. Because passionate people are singular focused. They're, they have a one-track mind, almost sometimes to a fault. Right? Passionate people are also the ones that will flip out on you. They'll punch you and say, well, I'm so sorry, man. I just, I don't know what came over me. Maybe not in this church, but we, it's Pickerington. I'm talking, to, I'm talking about Pickerington. But, but David was a man of passion. And passion goes both ways. And some people think that passion is tied to your personality, but it's not tied to your personality. It's tied to your persona. Your personality is who you are to people. Your persona is who God sees you as. And when you begin to step into your persona, you cannot step into your persona without passion. But David was passionate. And for you, it might look like writing poetry. Hopefully, it doesn't look like cutting the foreskins off of a hundred people. Sean? (laughs) Sean's a warrior, man. You got to watch out for him. But passionate people, you know, almost to a fault, they're singularly focused, singularly minded, and, and they can, you know, in, in some instances, if it's, if, it's, uh, if it's marked with immaturity, if passion and immaturity are together, uh, they can be somewhat of a loose cannon, right? They can be somewhat of a loose cannon. And, you know, and, and that's the amazing thing about David, is, is if you would look at the things that David did, you would say, that dude is crazy. I mean, to, to single-handedly go into the land of the Philistines, cut off the foreskins of a hundred Philistines, and then throw them at the feet of the king. The kind of passion that it takes to do something that's, that's virtually impossible. I'm going to read uh, first, uh, excuse me, Second Samuel five. I'm going to start in verse seventeen. It says, "When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. But David heard of it, and he went down to the stronghold. He went down to the stronghold." Now, that's really important when you feel like the enemy is closing in on you to go back to your stronghold. There's a, there's a verse in, uh, in Jeremiah, and um, I've used this um, in December. We, had a, uh, we have a rehab program at Pickerington, and um, got about 25 guys in it and three phases, awesome, doing amazing things. But, uh, we had a guy that graduated our first phase and then decided he was good. And, um, uh, unfortunately he, uh, made a mistake and relapsed and, and passed away. And, um, it, it was really hard cause it, you know, the, the church there is very involved. The, the missional community groups are very involved with the outreach guys and really make them feel like family. And uh, so it hit a lot of people really hard. And the verse that the Lord had uh, kind of highlighted to me uh, was this verse in Jeremiah. And it says, return to your stronghold, you prisoners of hope. For tomorrow we restore double to you. 
Return to your stronghold, you prisoners of hope. And this is what David did. He returned to his stronghold, and I believe because he was a prisoner of hope. What does it look like to be a prisoner of hope? It means you can't go anywhere else but hope. It means that the, the, the bars around your life are hope. They're not actually bars. They're not actually things that are holding you back. But hope, if, hope is your, if you're a prisoner of hope, hope is actually propelling you. So David returned to his stronghold. Now the Philistines had come up uh, and spread out to the valley of Rephraim. And David inquired of the Lord, shall I go up against the Philistines? Uh, Will you give them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, go up, for I will certainly give them into your hands. Now, you know, it might, you might wonder, like, what, why this verse just kind of seems kind of obscure. Uh, but I want to tie in uh, the power of passion when it's channeled into prayer. The power of passion when it's channeled into prayer. Now, now David, we know that he was a man of passion. We know that David was a killer, he was a fighter, yes, he was a lover, uh, he was a lover of God, he sang, he danced, he did all of that, but David was a killer, he was a fighter. David had a reputation that he had built upon killing. In fact, one of his problems was that he shed so much blood that he couldn't build God's house. He was a killer. He, he was a lover, but he was a killer. And that was one of David's problems. But here in this, in this story, the thing that amazes me is when David finds out that the Philistines are coming up against him, you know, in my mind, what I'm, I'm picturing David would do is say, you know what, you want to mess with me, let's go. Bring it, dude. Bring it, you know what I mean? If you think about the legacy of David, you know, David could have, could have said, you know, you know what, I made a living out of killing. Saul hired me to fight. It was said around the nation that Saul killed his thousands and David killed his ten thousands. I took a bunch of uh, 400 rejects in a cave called Adullam and I destroyed the armies of five kings. You want to come up against me, come up against me, bro. But the amazing thing about David, in all of his passion, that he understood that the, 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 the way that his passion was actually successful and his passion was actually channeled, that he did not become the loose cannon that, that nobody knew where they were going or what he was doing, the way that he channeled it is David inquired of the Lord. David, in all of his strength, in all of his might, in all of his military strategy, his experience, his victories, David was not just a champion, he was a conqueror. The difference between, uh, the, the difference between a conqueror and a champion is a conqueror, uh, you've won a few battles, a champion winning is who you are. David was not just a conqueror, he was a champion. He had the mentality of a champion, he had the attitude of a champion. But David still understood something. And David inquired of the Lord, shall I go up? So when things got hard, David, he did not fall in his strength He did not fall on his past. He did not fall on his military strategy. He did not fall on on strategic battle plans. He He didn't fall on anything, but he fell on his knees. And he humbly asked God the question, shall I go up? Because David associated success with prayer. In all of his passion, in all of his victories, in everything that he did, he associated success with prayer. And what I feel like God is, is kind of stirring this morning is, is in all of the hope arising, in all of the dreams, in all of the, the ideas, in the books, in the businesses, in all of those things that God has placed in your hearts and in your dreams and in your minds, uh, there's something on the inside of you that, that's, been he- that's been held back, or maybe you've held yourself back through fear, doubt, unbelief. God's breaking that thing off, but you've got to understand something. The path that you tread must be tread with prayer. 
The path that you go down, you can't fall on, on man's strategy. You can't fall on the next greatest teaching or the, the you know, uh, building a business for dummies and all of those kinds of things. It's what is the Lord saying? David, facing an impossible situation, he gets on his knees and he humbly asks God the question, should I go up? Knowing fully, fully well he could probably destroy them. So the question that I feel like the Lord is asking is do you associate success with prayer? Or do we associate success with talent? Or with good ideas? Do we associate success with money? Or do we associate it with prayer? Because no matter what you go after, what you tenaciously grab hold of, it will only be as successful as as much as you bathe it in prayer. And so my heart, and I know it's everybody at Zion, you know, on staff, is, is for people to come into their destiny for their dreams to be awoken, for their, their, their lives to be changed, and for them to step into things that they would never have stepped into otherwise. And I feel like God is taking us into that season. In the last three months, you know, uh, I've heard testimonies that, you know, for, for Pickerington, and uh, we've had more businesses open. People just said, you know what, I'm doing it. I'm going to stop talking about it. I'm going to stop dreaming about it. I'm going to stop writing things on, on uh, post-it notes and posting them all. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to bathe it in prayer, and I'm going to take a step and do it. And we've had more people step out into the things that they've been dreaming about doing for 20 years. And I feel like that's just what God is doing. There's just this, uh, this momentum and this movement of, of people stepping into their dreams. One of the co- five core values of Zion is discovering and developing and deploying your destiny. And so whatever stage you're at, if you're in the discovery stage, if you're the, in the development stage, or if you're actually deploying, the, the, the Lord is inviting you into praying and bathing it with prayer and, and, and washing over it with prayer. Because God is, is looking for vehicles to release kingdom. He's looking for vehicles to release kingdom. And you are the vehicle. He humbly asked God the question, shall I go up? And God says, go up, for I will certainly give the Philistines into your hand. This next verse is my favorite, verse 20. It says, and David came to Baal-perazim, and David defeated, uh, there, defeated them from there. Baal-perazim, uh, many of your footnotes might say this. Uh, it's, it means the Lord of the Breakthrough. Uh, one of my translations, it says, the Lord of bursting through. When something is bathed in prayer, when destiny is, is bathed in prayer, when the ideas and the dreams and the visions and the prophetic words that God has given you are bathed in prayer, you will meet him at the place called the Lord is bursting through. You will meet them at this place where it's the God of the breakthrough. And the reason that, uh, you know, we maybe have not experienced breakthrough in a particular area is we've got to revisit, are we praying over it? Are we, are we uh, intentionally um, putting uh, energy and, and emotion and, and, uh, and going after the very things that God has given us and told us? Or are we sitting on our spiritual couch waiting for it to just happen? Nothing just happens. Nothing just happens. The earth didn't just happen. A creative God said, let there be, and it happened. Now what if a creative being that God created said, let there be? What could happen? 
Why don't you guys stand? Sorry, I went a little late. I, I just, uh, more and more and increasingly, I just have a passion for to see people step into all that God has uh, called them to step into. And, you know, it sounds, oh, yay, that's great. But, um, you know, there's there's something with just being held back with you know, when, when I ask people, you know, they, hey, what's the dreams that God has put on your heart? And, and you know, well, I'll listen and listen to the dreams that God has put on their heart. And what's holding you back? I don't know. And that's the answer that many people give. Is, I don't really know. Some people might say fear. Some people might say resources. Some people, there's, there's a variety of things that, that people say, but ultimately, there's not a real answer of what's holding you back. And if, if you can't point the finger to something tangible, you probably need to point it to yourself and say, what if I'm holding me back? What if the only what if the only bridge that needs built into my destiny is the first step? What if the only bridge into the very dream and the, and the prophetic words and the things that God has called you into, what if the only thing that's keeping you from stepping into it is you taking a step? And there's something powerful in this season of you taking some time with the Lord, getting into the secret place, getting out of the waiting place, Don't hear me say, don't wait on God. Wait on God, but don't wait on opportunities. Don't wait on something to happen. Make it happen. You are a creative being created by a creative God. The miracle always starts with what's in your hand. Always. Jesus would ask the question, what do you have? And so that's the question this morning. What do you have? What's in your hand? Stop wishing you had something else and ask God what to do with what you have. And I believe you're one step away from the greatest season of your life. Amen? Why don't you grab uh, the hand of somebody next to you? I just want to take like two minutes and, and just pray into this. 120 seconds. You can pray for 120 seconds, right? We're, we're just going to pray into this. And, and I, I just feel like there was just such a weight this morning uh, of just reading. Uh, you know, I, I love when there's weight on the footnotes, right? And, you know, I read in my foot, footnotes of my Bible, it says, you know, balperism. It means the Lord bursting through. The Lord bursting through. And so, you know, I just feel like that's what God's going to do just as we begin to partner with him in prayer uh, about uh, the dreams and the hopes and the desires and the destinies that we have in our our hearts and in our minds and in our lives. So, Father, we just thank you so much, God, that you are the author of our destinies. You are the author, and we thank you, God, that you have good plans for us, plans to prosper. So we just release right now the chains that have held us back, we say, break in Jesus' name. The chains that have held us back, the barriers that have have been put in front of us, we kick them down. We knock them down. We right now, we, we advance the kingdom. And the Bible says that the kingdom advances forcefully and violent take hold of it. So right now, God, we take hold violently of the promises and the plans and the purposes that you have created and designed and given us freely. We break off the chains of discouragement. We break off the chains of defeat. We break off the chains of familiarity. We break off the chains of the orbit of your ordinary. And we say it's time to move into the unknown. It's time to step out. It's time to build a bridge into your dreams. It's time to rise up in hope. 
Come on, just begin to pray for them like you'd want somebody to pray for you. Begin to pray for them like you're standing in the place called Balperosum, the Lord bursting through. Holy Spirit, we say burst through with courage. Burst through with courage right now. Burst through with boldness. Burst through with hope. Burst through with passion right now. We say burst through with just a fresh fire. A fresh fire, God. Any flame that is dwindling, we say right now, we just blow it. We fan it into flame. Fan it into flame. God, we thank you that the best is yet to come. We thank you that there is not a person in here who's experienced their greatest breakthrough yet. There's not a person in here who's had their greatest day yet. The best is yet to come. So we declare that over every person. The best is yet to come. Let that fill your heart with hope. Let that fill your heart with joy. Let that fill your heart with anticipation and expectation. Thank you, Jesus. We say fresh fire for a fresh day. Fresh fire for a fresh day. And we just speak to the, the, the dreams. We speak to the dreams, the, the prophetic words, the destiny, uh, the destinies that have felt like uh, they're, they're dry, that have felt like they're unwatered. Uh, God, we just say right now, just, just blow a fresh wind over the dreams, a fresh wind over the ideas, the ones who, who have uh, maybe moved into hope deferred. We just break off hope deferred right now. We break off every sick heart, and we just say moving into a newness, moving into a freshness, that it's, it's new ideas, but it's also reviving old ideas, reviving ideas that have never had the chance to take flourish and take wings and blossom. We just say right now, Holy Spirit, just release just a freshness over dreams, a freshness over hope, a freshness over the prophetic words that we've not yet seen come into fruition. And we thank you, God. We thank you that the best is yet to come. We just pray favor and increase over every person here. Favor and increase. Just new levels of favor, new levels of favor where, where doors will be flung open unexplainably. Opportunities will be laid in your lap because of the favor of the Lord. God, we thank you that you're going to put people before kings. I just feel like there's people in here, uh, Proverbs 22, it says that uh, a person who perfects their craft will stand before kings. There are people in here, you're in a season of honing your craft, honing your, your gift and your talent and fanning into flame that thing that God's put on the inside of you. And the Lord says it, it's, it's a good season. You need to dig into that season and, and perfect your craft. Perfect your skill. Because the next season you'll stand before kings. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just put your hand over your heart for the one who needs it most. <laughs> 
Some of you just need to receive your own anointing. You're waiting on me to pray for something, and you, you, your hands are loaded, baby. Just receive what you got. Thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you that hearts are being stirred. God, we thank you that hope is rising. God, that every obstacle, every barrier is being removed. We just, uh, you know, one of my favorite verses that declares Isaiah 45. Uh, it says, uh, thus saith the Lord to his anointed, whom he holds in his right hand, I will go before you and I will make the crooked places straight. I will make every rough place smooth. I will remove the bars of iron and, and the bars of bronze and I will give you treasures hidden in darkness. We just declare that over every person here, God, that uh, you'll make every rough place smooth. That the Bible says that you, your glory goes before us and your glory is our rear guard. So, God, we thank you that there's no fear in stepping out. The worst that can happen is your GPS will say recalculating. <laughs> or God will say recalculating. <laughs> we thank you, Father. God, we thank you for all that you're doing. We just bless the passion. We bless the fervency. We bless the hunger. We just say, let it increase. <laughs> you are the stewards of your own hunger. Nobody else can steward it for you. Nobody else can steward your passion for you. So God, we thank you that there's just a grace to step into more and steward it and not just experience a moment and step into the parking lot and forget about it. But let what you're doing just establish something on the inside of us. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, God. Amen. Amen.